sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We have a new champion in Major League Baseball. It is the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. We got a very compelling Game 6 and a finale. We did not get a Game 7 for many reasons, and there may be some reasons we may not have gotten a Game 7 for a while. <laughs> Dive into all this stuff today. It is a wild uh, ending to the World Series for sure in more ways than one. I'm Craig Nish along with Joe Pizzapia. I guess we can start with this. The best team won the World Series. And Fair. that was evident. I, I think that not a lot of argument there. They were the chalk. They were the favorites. They played the best baseball from game one to game 60 and then all mm. throughout the postseason. They deserve to win the title, no doubt. I wish that was the only story that we would have today, or maybe I don't for purposes of this show. <laughs> I'm not really sure where to go. But I want to at least start with that and not lose sight of the fact, Joe, that baseball got it done. They played their 60-game yes. season. They, they gave us something to root for. It was weird. It was strange. It was eerie. But in the end, for people like us who do what we do, content is king. And it gave us extra things to talk about each and every day. And that's what I tweeted out last night. Aside from all the other stuff, I'm most thankful. No one got seriously sick. Maybe one or two mm -hmm. players. I take that back. Most players did not get seriously sick. They made it through the season. And we got a World Series champion in the Dodgers. I'll start with that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, of course, the postscript to this has to be COVID-related, right? I mean, we couldn't we couldn't escape it no matter how hard we tried. It was always going to attach itself. And it's just a reminder of this is where we are right now. And it's a terrible reminder. It's not the reminder we want. It's not the lasting image we have of Justin Turner on the field and all of us going, wait, why is he out there? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? What's going on here? What's happened here? It's definitely frustrating. However, let's start with the positives. And the positive is definitely that baseball was able to somehow get a season in. It felt like a season. It felt like a playoffs. And I would argue a very entertaining playoffs, some really great series, games that stretched all the way, series that stretched all the way to game sevens right before we got to the World Series. I think that was really fun. I think the World Series was very good. It was great to showcase a smaller market team like the Rays against a juggernaut uh, in terms of payroll and talent of the Dodgers. It was a David and Goliath matchup. And unlike the storybooks, <laughs> you know, Goliath usually wins out. And look, I think the Dodgers did deserve to win. And you're right to a certain extent for us on a show like this with so much to talk about now. It's not just the game. We're talking about all the other peripheral things at the end. And I guess that kind of encapsulates where we are right now, not just as a community, as a sports community, but as a, as a nation. And we just aren't able to shake this thing, at least for now. And it's, yeah. uh, it's a reminder, a terrible one at that. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And before we get into our headlines, there's a there's one thing I do want to say. And and again, I congratulated uh, you know the Major League Baseball and the players last night for doing what they did. I also want to congratulate our people here at SportsGrid, and specifically Lou Mayone and uh, and and Mike Cardano and Greg Sussman. Uh, I've been in this business a long time. I've been talking fantasy sports a long time. This is the first time I've ever been able to talk baseball this time of the year. And although we've dedicated a lot of our conversation to fantasy football and, and wagering in the NFL, 
Uh, it, it has been very tough for me to abandon anybody who's been a baseball fan and not be able to, to talk about it in August and September and essentially being given carte blanche to still stay alive with some with some baseball talk and fantasy baseball talk. I think anybody who watched this show in the late summer and into the fall, they're going to be better for it. We talked about players that normally wouldn't be talked about mm-hmm. in the fantasy community because everyone has shifted over to football. So in two hours on a daily show of doing what we do, or anybody who does what they do in the fantasy community, there's no reason why 10 minutes a day cannot be dedicated to another sport, baseball, basketball, or somewhere else. So thank you guys for that, for allowing me to do that, as of course we shift most of our conversation, as we have, to fantasy football. Here are our headlines for today. The Dodgers are World Series champions. It's the first time they've won since Joe was four, five, six, or seven. We still haven't figured that one out. No one (laughs) really knows his true birthday. Ten. Ten. There you go. Ten. Ten. Okay. No, I, I'm uh, not ashamed of my age. I look great. Well, you know, I never age. I look the same as I did ten years ago and ten years later. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but we'll we'll take your oh, word yeah. for it on that. All right, Handsome. All right. Justin Tur- Justin Turner pulled uh, from the World Series due to a positive COVID test. We're going to dive into this a little bit more. I'll give you my thoughts on this. Uh, a couple days ago, I was told that the Mets vote was going to be on Friday. I didn't even think it was a big deal. I guess it is a big deal. Now it's out for good here. So, yeah, Friday's the day. I would anticipate uh, the possibility of a new president and general manager of the Mets as well, although Sandy Alderson is in all likelihood going to run the Mets. I think that there could be some shifting there. The Cowboys trade Everson Griffin. I don't know that I look at this as a sign one way or the other with what Dallas is doing. The quarterback sign will be the clear one there. And uh, Cristiano Ronaldo not playing today in the Champions League. And the next time that the two heavyweights, Messi Ronaldo, will play will be in uh, in December. Okay, so going back to the World Series, the two big stories which we'll cover here on Sports Grid today that everyone is talking about. Uh, number one, Dodgers win the well, – there's three. Number one, Dodgers <laughs> win the World Series, Joe. That needs to be number one. It was a tough season to get through, and, and I don't mm-hmm. want to discount what they did. Number two, the race uh, manager pulling the pitcher too early. Of course, that's part of this conversation and, and will be for the next few days. And number three, Justin Turner having COVID and why he was allowed to play in the game, why he was on the field at the end of the game. I mean, those are, are important conversations as we move forward. So what is the story of those three that takes the most precedent for you? Oh, my goodness. With only 30 seconds left, I don't know if I could um, right, we'll hit on we got to go after the break. But I'll say this. For me, I think I want to stay with the Dodgers winning the World Series because I think it's a baseball game. It's a World Series. That should be the lead. And let's get into that when we come back because I think the game itself is what the first focus should be on. And then the second thing should be all the other peripherals. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. It was the toughest season ever in baseball history. They got through it. We'll do fantasy standouts next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia. The 2020 Major League Baseball season is now officially in the books, along with the NBA and the NHL. Of course, we have college basketball set to start in a month from now, but it is college football and NFL football for the foreseeable future. Before we move forward, let's go back and take a look at last night's fantasy standouts. Let's start off with the World Series and Blake Snell, who was the star of the first half of the game, five and a third, nine strikeouts, two hits, no walks, (laughs) one earned run, and of course was lifted from the game by Kevin Cash, who 
by the way, has done this for years and years with Tampa Bay. It works sometimes. It does not sometimes, but this was the World Series. So everyone is watching at that point. Randy Arozarena, the poor guy's uh, postseason comes to an end. He would have hit 70 home runs if there were more postseason games. But he had another one yesterday. He just was unstoppable. Uh, Julio Urias finished out the game. And, and I think that you know for the Dodgers, that definitely opens up some questions next year. But Urias... If he wasn't the MVP, was certainly in the top two or top three, no doubt. Uh, Mookie Betts ended up hitting a very big home run once they pulled Snell from the game. And in fact, Nick mm-hmm. Anderson, the reliever for the Rays, said that he was a little fatigued going into the game, which is definitely not a good sign. And then Corey Seager ends up getting the game-winning RBI. And guess what? FanDuel got it right. Their their favorite odds, yeah. Chalk, ended up winning the MVP. Uh, go figure that one. I didn't think that would be the case, but it was. I thought maybe Mookie Betts was going to sneak in there at the end after hitting that home run. Uh, yeah. But needless to say, after the game, the MVP of the league with his trophy in hand, Corey Seager was asked if the team basically opened up a different mentality once Snell was removed from the game. Uh, you tip your cap to him, man. He he threw a hell of a ball game. Um he had us off balance. He made pitches. We we grinded. We battled, and you know we didn't really have an answer for him. And and once he kind of came out, you know it, it uplifted us a little bit for sure. You know we started feeling a little momentum. You know we scratched a few runs, and you know and we ended up winning. Well, Joe, look, this is the easiest thing to do is just pile on and and say Kevin Cash made the wrong move and he shouldn't have taken Snell out. And and you know what? It is impossible to argue against it. But as we take a few days to take a look at this and, and you know, stoke the fire here, you got to understand that this is the way that he is managed. The question is, is in a World Series situation, do you change what you normally do and manage differently because of the eyes and the ears that are watching the World Series? Or do you manage like you've managed for the last four years, three years, whatever it is in Tampa Bay? And I think that, to me, is more of the question. It is unequivocal, Joe, that Snell should have stayed in. I mean, there's no argument. The next guy came in, lost the game. I mean, who's going to argue that? It's more of a question as to do you change your approach in the postseason? And if you do, and if you feel that way, then cash failed. And if you don't, and you look at the other side and say, Rays win 90 games every year, Rays are on the precipice of a World Series every year, then that's exactly what he should have done. So, (laughs) have at it. Well, I've had a lot of time to kind of think about this, and you've you've set it up quite well, I must say. Well done, sir. Uh, but for me, it's actually a, a little bit of a micromanage here. I think you do exactly what got you in the playoffs, and you do it throughout the playoffs. I think when you're facing an elimination game six in the World Series, you go with what's working at that moment. And I, I was perplexed, and we talked about it here on the show last week, right? Or two weeks ago now, I guess, when Charlie Morton got pulled from that game after, what, 70 pitches or something, and he was cruising. He looked great. And only two hits that Blake Snell gave up were singles. I mean, it's not like these guys were bashing him all over the ballpark where you go, oh, geez, you know, he's getting hit hard. It's kind of a rough thing here. You know, he's got a lot of strikeouts, but there's some really strong outs getting hit to people. No! No, there wasn't a lot of great contact going on against Blake Snell. And this is tough because this is what you do. You're the Rays. This is what you do. This is what you're accustomed to. This is what your starting pitchers are accustomed to. This is what everybody's accustomed to. And who's to say that if you let Blake Snell go in there longer because these guys aren't conditioned to go longer, that things would have worked out better. We don't know. And we can sit there and ask ourselves, and the Rays are going to have a couple months to sit there and ask themselves and maybe the rest of their lives for Kevin Cash and some other people to ask themselves what we should have done or done differently. 
but this is the race. Yeah. This has been their identity. So I think at a certain point, you can't, you can't change what you've done because that's what's been success. The only thing that gives me pause, Craig, is when you get not to the wild card, not when you get to the, you know, the LCS or the DS or any of that stuff. It's when you get to the elimination game of the World Series and something is going well for you. I think, and I think you'll attest to this too. It's very different when you're, you've played the game and you've seen that pitcher that you can't touch and that pitcher goes out of the game. You know, I know, we all know there's a certain, there's a sigh of relief from the offense on the other side where all of a sudden they go, okay, this is our window. And the Dodgers jumped on it right after. And I guess the rest is history. But to me, you don't change what you do until you get to the elimination game of World Series. And then you go Bull Durham. And the old Bull Durham saying is what? Don't you know what with a streak? And Blake Snell was on a streak. Yeah. No, and look, it's, I mean, Kevin Cash is not going to pander to us, right? Like no. he's he's not going to be worried about what we think. In the end, it was absolutely the right call to, the wrong call to take him out and the right call to leave him in. But in that moment, he's thinking about, you know, what if, I, put it this way, he is not thinking about what if I leave Snell in and he gives up a home run to Mookie Betts. And all the things that you said are right. What happens if the next guy just gets a little blooper and, and that's the end of the inning? Mm-hmm. He's going with what he has gone with. We'll hear from him a little bit later in the show. There is, to me, at this stage, there's no denying that it was the wrong move and, and he's going to get... Sure. Absolute crush for it. You'll see him talk later on saying he gets it. <laughs> he understands why everybody is asking the question, and it's a fair question. But he simply didn't want to let uh, Snell see Mookie Betts. I think the bigger question for me is today, in watching some of the post game, where Nick Anderson, who used to play for Miami, so and I know him as well, uh, admitted to being a little fatigued into mm-hmm. the World Series and had given up a bunch of runs. And to me, that, Joe, was the bigger question for me. Like, you've had a lot of other dudes coming in for Tampa. Mm-hmm. And, and I love Nick Anderson. I think he's great. But if he was fatigued and tired, and, and I suppose you'll hear that, oh, everybody's fatigued and tired at this stage of the season. But are they really? I mean, this wasn't a full season. It was only 60 games. Well, maybe so the Rays have the way they get used. So in all fairness, maybe the Rays guys are because they see more action than some other bullpens. But yeah, I wrong. mean, it just feels like, unfortunately, if that was the case with Nick Anderson, that's the thing that I would hold Cash a little bit more accountable for is that if you knew that there was a chance that he is fatigued, there was no one else that you thought that could get two outs or three outs there like that. That That's my only troublesome part of this today. Yeah. That's, that's and look, and not to be lost in this and, and, and you know, cause we could talk about the Rays bullpen all we want, but we should also talk about how good the Dodger bullpen was too. You know, when you hold a team collectively to one run and I know they're not an offensive juggernaut team, but still, I mean, they've been able to put some big spots on the board in different moments here in the playoffs. Uh, incredible job there by Urias too. I mean, he just looks so good there. It, it kind of reminded me of, do you remember when Adam Wainwright was young with the Cardinals and he had that kind of magical run where he was just kind of doing whatever they needed him to do, close games, pitching other spots there. And then all of a sudden he had a run there after that of being one of the top pitchers in Major League Baseball. It kind of feels like this could be one of those jumping off points for Julio Urias. And I just want to kind of give a shout out there because we could talk about the, you know, the failures of the Rays and that's fair. But we also have to talk equally, I think, about the success of that Dodger pen last night and specifically Urias doing what he did because this was a, this was a collective group there. That held them to one run, and uh, I got to say, man, this is um, Julio Urias is going to be an impressive pitcher. You forget how young he is still. 
Yeah, it's interesting the amount of time that we wasted on this show talking about Gonsal and going five innings, six innings, four innings, three innings. <laughs> it's like done. It's like the second inning. That was it. It was like, I mean, it's so crazy how strategy is involved. And, and look, I, I, I don't blame Dave Roberts for pulling him. I don't blame him for telling the media they hope he goes seven innings. Of but course, realistically, that's I don't good think managing. Was, you never tip your I don't hand. Think ever I mean, a chance of that after seeing no. that last night. He didn't give him a shot at all. Like I mean, it no. was just you know, one earned run. run. <laughs> and you know what? I, mean, I also think, I, I, and I, and when Mookie Betts hit the home run, I, I the same thing that you said earlier in this segment. I kind of thought too was like, well, maybe Mookie locked this this uh, ward up. I think they just went yeah. down right down the list and said, well, Corey Seager has the highest batting average and your typical old school baseball nonsense. Let's give it to Corey Seager, which is fine. He's deserving of it. But I think that's how the decision got made, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there was a postseason MVP, it would be Mookie Betts. If, if there's a World Fair. Series MVP, well, it's probably it's a Rosarena, I think. I think it's a Rosarena. That's Arena. true. You know what? Fair <laughs> point. The Rosarena is the guy. All right, we'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. This is our, I, I think, our most intriguing show here today, doing the recap of the baseball season and looking ahead to fantasy football. Of course, we got a game coming up tomorrow night for sure. A couple of quick notes just to bring along. doesn't affect fantasy all that much, but just the reality of sports and where we're at. According to ESPN, Carlos Dunlap has been traded by the Bengals to the Seahawks, so that should give them some help. Their defense has been atrocious, although Dunlap hasn't been very good either. So we'll see if that really even means anything. We know Seattle's into all of these guys at the end of their career, the Clownies, the Dunlaps. Uh, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll take anybody on at the end. Hey, um, Clowney was helpful for them. Clowney, Clowney was helpful for them last year, especially in that San Francisco game. He, he was, was a difference maker, was. and that was a huge victory for Seattle last year. So we'll see. Maybe there's something left in the the, the tank there for Dunlap. They, Cincinnati's got a lot of problems. I don't know if you drop him into some uh, team with some better life around it. <laughs> maybe I don't know maybe. the defense, but I don't know. We'll see what's left in the tank there for him. But maybe. and, and uh, unfortunately for Wisconsin, the uh, the quarterback at COVID outbreak has extended a little further at least for the time being, and they have suspended football operations right now, and they've uh, postponed their game this week. So that's a big hit for the Big Ten. We'll just have to keep an eye on how they move forward there, but at least the Big Ten could be moving forward without Wisconsin for the time being, Wisconsin top 10 team in college football. Okay, now let's move on, Joe. And uh, look, this is a more or less trying to figure out, uh, you know, trade deadline discussion, figuring out if players are going to be viable in what we would call the last third of the fantasy football season. It's probably the halfway yeah, point of the regular season, but for fantasy, mm-hmm. I think we're like two thirds uh, of the way through when you think about the Long regular stretch. season being 13 weeks. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's, that's a fair assessment here. So uh, look, Vikings are not going anywhere. They got to have to figure out what to do with some of their assets. We've seen them move one. Uh, Houston, we know, is not going anywhere. They're going to have to make some key decisions. Atlanta's in that conversation. And, of course, even though they're only a game out, the Giants probably have to start thinking about changes, too. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Houston, too. That's a team that has big-time cap issues, big-time salary issues, and they're going to have to really – I mean, they have no draft picks. 
a high cap. <laughs> I mean, they, and and basically Deshaun Watson and no defense. It, it's a bad scene right now if you're the Houston Texans. Oh, oh, and also they need to find a coach. So there's a ton of turnover there. And look, some of these guys might not go anywhere. There's a good chance many of them don't. But it would be fun to at least speculate and talk about how some of these players might be able to help some of the other organizations out there. So let's start with Adam Thielen, who certainly has a lot left in his tank, I would say. I mean, this is a really good wide receiver that can help a lot of teams. And right now, I'm looking at two offenses, specifically Cleveland, now missing some players. And, and granted, Higgins is a really nice player. We'll get more into him later on. But the Baltimore Ravens, I think, are lacking a possession receiver. You know, you could say that Willie Sneed could have been that guy, but that really has never happened. And adding a guy like Adam Thielen to the Baltimore Ravens and specifically to Lamar Jackson to have somebody else there who can go over the middle of the field, somebody else out there who can be that possession guy, it's the one thing they really don't have. They have Hollywood Browns, that home run hitter kind of dude. They have Mark Andrews, who's the red zone threat. And Mark Andrews certainly is out there in the offense as well. But Adam Thielen, to me, would be a really interesting fit with Baltimore. And I think when Baltimore, and we'll see this week as they match up against the Steelers, this is a tough matchup here for them. And I worry about this offense because this offense has been very one-dimensional. Now, it was one-dimensional last season. All they did was run the football. However, they ran it very effectively. That has not been the case right now. So I think you have to pivot here a little bit, in the words of Ross from Friends, and pivot away, and maybe a guy like Adam Thielen could be a huge difference maker there, and Cleveland could help as well. So is there another spot you have in mind for Thielen, or do you think he could really help one of those two offenses and obviously teams that look like they're earmarked for the playoffs? You, you know, it's interesting that when we were having the discussion around NFL draft time, I think I made the statement on a show in previously said that there was no possible way that the Packers would go into the regular season with the offense assembled as it was. So that was clearly wrong. So I think what I'm going to do, Joe, at this point is in less than a week, I'm going to double down on that. And I'm going to say that between now and the trade deadline, the Packers add someone to the other side of Devontae Adams. I understand that you like this guy Lazard a little bit. Valdez Scantling. Well, he's out. So, well, Lazard oh, got hurt, so yeah. that, that killed everything. No, so. I, I know, but is he is he out for the entire season, yeah. or was it the mm -hmm. partial IR? Done. He's done for the whole year? He's done. Yeah, I believe okay. so. Yeah, I so, so, so let's eliminate him. So Valdez Scantling, honestly, whatever. Tunyon, Tanyan, however you pronounce his name. Nice player. I'm going to say that at the trade deadline, I don't know if it's Thielen, Joe, I've, I've mentioned A.J. Green. There's be another name that I think would actually be even more interesting and probably could get for free, honestly, from the Giants. I, I think that they add uh, someone, you know, like maybe they bring Cobb back, Randall Cobb. I just don't think one. Minnesota but, will give up somebody in their own division. I can't that's, see that. Yeah, that's a very fair that's point. Minnesota's going to trade, trade to a team that – that's I mean, gonna, that would be the guy. Believe me. I mean, Adam Thielen has every earmark of a young Jordy Nelson that would fit so well with the style of Aaron Rodgers. But unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be available. I'll tell you another guy that you mentioned should be available. And I love this. And not just for this year, but maybe for next year, too. The Andy Dalton experiment has not worked, okay? So if you do have Dak come back, you need somebody out there who can back him up who's a little bit better and why not Tyrod Taylor? I mean, Tyrod Taylor can't be happy with his standing right now with the Chargers. And you look at the career stats. I mean, he's got almost 10,000 yards passing. He's got almost 2,000 yards rushing. He's still a very mobile quarterback. He's a bright quarterback. He's a guy with a, actually a much better touchdown to interception ratio than I would have guessed. I had to go dig in a little bit. But look at that. It's more than two to one. Why shouldn't Dallas, not just for this year, but maybe going forward, have a better insurance policy? And if you're Tyrod Taylor, hey, 
this is a great opportunity for you too. And that the Chargers already know their guy. The Chargers record means that no matter how many wins or losses Herbert has, it doesn't matter. He's played so well. You're going to let him take his bumps. But why not Tyrod Taylor for the Dallas Cowboys? Look, I, I think they have to do something. It's probably too late for this week, but I, I think they have mm-hmm. to try something moving forward. And and Taylor is definitely a name that should be out there for the taking if the Chargers want to move on uh, from him and just basically give. Well, they already already given Herbert the role, and he's deserved it and he's earned it for sure. But I would like to see it like you, like Tyrod, end up somewhere else, get an opportunity to at least play somewhere else for sure. Uh, okay, now let's go to Houston. That awful trade where the, the Texans uh, acquired David Johnson. And, and and look, I, I've I've watched David Johnson play this year. I, I feel like it's so sad to me because he was he was the number one or number two pick overall in fantasy mm-hmm. three years ago. Like it, that was not that long ago. And look, he's under four yards a carry. When he gets the ball near the goal line, he's going to score. Like like most running backs, he, he gets the opportunity and he scores. But I don't know that there's any market for him whatsoever. If you said to me, Joe, that that some team would get a conditional pick, seventh round, or just cut, maybe so. But in terms of trade, it would it would really be impossible for me to see anybody trade for David Johnson. And I can understand that. Uh, I think if you're a team like Buffalo, though, and nothing has gone well for you, I mean, you were basically dead last in rushing. That's not good. And I, I understand David Johnson's limitations at this point in his career. There's no doubt about that. We have lamented quite a bit about them over this uh, last few months. However, is he an upgrade over what you got right now? Probably. And I think that is something you have to look at. And, you know, Frank Gore was that guy last year in November and December until Singletary got healthy and Singletary was then kind of sprinkled in there. But I think you need somebody else there right now. And David Johnson has at least shown you that he could stay on the field this year. And that's something that even the Buffalo running backs have struggled with. So I'm just saying, I think Buffalo should be in the market for a running back. And and look, some teams are going to be in the market for a tight end. So why not Evan Ingram? Because apparently the Giants are shopping him. And it's kind of funny because this was one of your, I would say, guys you had your eye on the last couple of years at tight end and fantasy. And it just, for whatever reason, maybe different regimes, whatever's happened, Evan Ingram has not been able to really rise above I think he had a lot of expectations there. You saw with Eli, there was a lot of promise. And since they made the switch to Daniel Jones, things haven't worked out. Now, there's two teams, and one of them being Buffalo, that could certainly use a tight end with Dawson Knox being out with COVID and some other issues they've had there. Maybe if you can't get a running back, maybe you can get a tight end and continue to move the ball that way, the way you have with Cole Beasley recently. Or a team like Arizona. Believe it or not, they're in the thick of this thing. Every team in that NFC West has four or five wins. They are tight right now. Why not add something else to this offense? Because the one glaring thing that they don't have is a tight end. And people can say, well, it's not really Kingsbury's way. But you know what? If you have more personnel, it makes you tougher to guard. And I think Ingram would be an interesting addition to a team like Arizona that's got cap room to spare and an opportunity there to play a guy like Evan Ingram in the offense. Yeah, and and look, Ingram is a very talented player. It just hasn't worked out for him. Maybe a change of scenery is exactly what he needs. Giants also have another talented player, Joe, who could be on the move again. Who knows? He's played on several teams. Why not one more? Golden Tate, 20 receptions, 195 yards, nine and almost 10 yards per per reception, which isn't terrible. And and look, there's no shortage of places that he could be available to. Uh, look, mm-hmm. Chicago could certainly use another wide receiver, although I do think Miller, they're going to have to try and make something out of Miller here. Green Bay is needing a second wide receiver. New Orleans has Sanders out, so maybe there's a spot there. 
And and depending on what Cleveland wants to do, why not Tate? So, yeah, I, I think that this name in particular is a really good candidate to get traded. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that. Yeah, I, not only are the Giants out of it, but Tate is a veteran who could jump in and help anybody. And I think you saw that even a couple of years ago when he got dealt. A lot of people were like, oh, I don't know if he could jump in. He can. And I think Green Bay would be the best spot for him. Uh, I'm kind of with you. Bring in a veteran who knows what he's doing, who can pick up an offense very quickly, who's been around the league, who will be rejuvenated with a chance to win. He's also familiar with that division. He played most of his career in that division too. So he's familiar with the Packers. He knows what the Packers are about. So I, I think Golden Tate would be a fantastic addition. And I would not discount New Orleans either. Or Cleveland. Cleveland, you know, bring another veteran presence, maybe. But I think New Orleans right now, with the way Michael Thomas's season is gone, and the way, I mean, you're looking at some of these names, and you go, who are these guys? I think that a guy like Golden Tate, a veteran presence for one year or the rest of the season here, could really help out Drew Brees right now. Because it seems like that offense is just just stumbling over itself. It, you know, has moments with Camaro where it looks great, but without Michael Thomas, they have not been the same. But if I'm Green Bay, I'm on the phone with the Giants, and I'm trying to make this work because I think he's the perfect fit. You need to upgrade over MVS, especially with the recent injury to Aaron Jones. You cannot go through the rest of the season, I think, with what you've got at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I thought that too, but they keep winning. So, but yeah, it, it seems like it's, it's the right move. It, it does. It feels like it's the right move for sure. All right, coming up next, it's time for Waiver Wire Wednesday. I know a lot of you have questions about running back and wide receiver. We're going to try to dive into this next. We'll go through all of the ownership percentages in season-long leagues. So make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. It's time for a little waiver wire Wednesday in fantasy football. Let's dive right in, Joe. We got to take a look at these running backs here. I am just in such a rough spot. Cam Akers not playing. Jeff Wilson is out. This guy P. Ryan from the Gators is he going to play this week? Like my gosh, I am I am in a desperate spot here at running back. I, I may have to make a trade. I mean, I don't even know what to do here. I mean, I'm I'm luckily three and four. Four. What is it? Uh, three and four or four and three? Mm-hmm. Is, are we three two four, seven? seven. You are a seven. Horrible. That's correct. Horrible, horrible year for me. <laughs> but how okay, are your points? Um, but how are your points? We fantastic. fantastic. Well, luck. then, then it means you're okay. It means you've got a four and three in you, and a four and three might get you into the playoffs. So don't don't Maybe freak so. out quite yet. Freak it out. Okay, <laughs> let's take a look at the running back position. Jamal Williams is uh, probably not available, I would think, in most probably of the leagues, not. but 63%. Yeah. Zach Moss. Zach Moss is the kind of guy in your fantasy league that's been cut three or four times this year. So we'll we'll dive into him. Boy, Carlos Hyde would be just such an easy pickup for a one-week situation, except for he's going through an injury situation. Uh, Jermichael Hasty looked fantastic. If he gets mm-hmm. to play, he'll do well. Does anybody know? No, we don't. Uh, Michael Pirine of the Jets is probably going to split carries, I would think, with Gore. I don't think they have a chance to beat Kansas City, but if they're behind, does this give Pirine five catches, 50 yards? If so, sign me up. And Wayne Gallman of the Giants probably gets a little bit more of an opportunity this week. And DJ Dallas is someone this morning that threw a very small bid on just in case 
Hyde doesn't play, mm-hmm. but it's not a great matchup for DJ Dallas either. Uh, DJ Dallas was a good running back at Miami. He was not a star there, though. Like there were there were other players who I think were bigger stars. In fact, I think P Ryan is probably a better running back than DJ Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's what we got. <laughs> that's what we're looking <laughs> that's at. That's where week. we are. Yeah, and, and the easy thing would be Hasty. Like that's the guy that I would want. The trouble is that is a very muddy situation because last week apparently it was a it was a rest week i didn't know we had planned rest weeks it would be great if kyle shanahan would have told us that the jarek mckinnon was on a planned rest week because a lot of people had him in and went where the hell is jarek mckinnon what's happening oh no no he's on a rest week don't worry about it maybe next week we'll play him so that was really ridiculous and then hasty looked really good in that game when wilson wasn't carrying the football but now we're hearing rumblings that tevin coleman might be healthy enough to play and they want to get him some action that is very frustrating now i would still be very aggressive on hasty anyway just because i like the running back i saw now that going and and being said that he was going against the the new england patriots and zach moss is going against the new england patriots this week and that defense did not look good against the run just ask jeffrey wilson owners he looked really really great for them for fantasy so this is kind of a, a do or die situation. There's like a, I feel like a fork in the road right now at the running back position in Buffalo, where if Moss is now healthy last week, he came in, he played a little bit. Obviously, it wasn't the greatest game there with the Jets, but this is your second week now healthy. This is your second opportunity here to kind of establish yourself as the lead back in this offense. And it's a good matchup here because the Patriots defense looked like Swiss cheese last week. So. I want to give him a shot. I will go in on Zach Moss if he's available in your league. It looks like more than half a leagues he is. I think that is the big target, Moss and Hasty. The Seattle situation is tough. And and you know what? Wayne Gallman would have been higher on this list in terms of, yeah, let's target Wayne Gallman. But he's going against Tampa. And have we not seen what Tampa's done against the run this year? So that makes it really tough. As good as he looked at moments last week, you can't imagine this is going to be a good game. I'm with you, though. I think P. Ryan and a PPR – even in this matchup against uh, against the Chiefs, which, again, 19 and a half, I think there's a little bit of PPR upside late in the game and garbage time for him. Yeah, I, I think, too, that's really what you have to hope for, I think, there. And P. Mm-hmm. Ryan is a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. And so if Adam Gase just turns a little bit of it over to P. Ryan, I think that's who I would go with. <laughs> Adam Gase. Adam Gase, still well, employed. Gore's averaging five yards a carry. That's his answer. Gore's good. He's I, right. Uh, <laughs> I bet. You know what? I mean, Buffalo Frank would Gore love to have Frank Gore. How, How many, much many would more Buffalo years do you think Frank Gore is going to play? Right uh, How many more two. years? I think two is reasonable. At least one, year. right? He's definitely playing definitely. next year, right? He's definitely playing next definitely. year, 100%. But Buffalo would kill for Frank Gore right now. They would kill to have him right now on their roster. He may be better than the two guys they have. I can't say anything about that. I can't. I can't deny that it's not a hot take. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, let's move on to wide receiver here. My love for Frank Gore continues. No Brandon Ayuk at forty nine percent owned would seem to be a pretty decent option, but the Niners love running that ball. They do. Cole Beasley's got to be a big pickup this week in PPR leagues. Forty one percent got to grab him. Sterling Shepard is back on the map. I know this kid is talented, but I just am not seeing the targets. I, I know he did okay last week. I, I think he could be great with a well, good quarterback. Well, first, last week was his first game back. He hadn't played all year. So I want to yeah, give him credit. He have hasn't seen the targets because he hasn't seen the field. That, it helps to be on the field. He should be target. getting targets while he's hurt, Joe, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. right, Corey Davis, 28%. Uh, Curtis Samuel, 15%. He scored last week, right? Nelson Aguilar yes, shows up again. You you definitely have Aguilar in a league for him to show up this much on our shows, right? How many shares you got of this guy? 
I put it. I put in. Uh, I put in some waivers for him in two leagues. Yeah, I figured. That. <laughs> hey man, yeah, this he's guy showed up down. way too much on this show for you to not be interested Bro, in this guy. And three then, straight games and, with a touchdown. How many guys can say that? <laughs> oh come on. And then uh, Rashard Higgins, three percent. Who? Yeah, I mean that 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 guy's going to probably get more looks. I, I would assume. So, all right, we've already answered the question more or less. You're in on Aguilar. Um, I'm going to guess I available some leagues. Mm-hmm. Corey Davis, boy, if Corey Davis could ever put it together, he would he would be something too. I mean, could Tennessee keep scoring thirty points a game like this? I, I don't know. I mean, it's like yeah. a new team all of a sudden. I think they absolutely can, and I think Corey Davis is a sneaky ad this week. And I I would because a lot of people had him in the beginning, and he you know obviously had the illness, and then you know he got an injury, and then he got dropped. Like he dropped in a lot of leagues. He was he was one of the biggest ads in week one or two, and then one of the biggest drops after in week four and five. But now he's floating out there, and now you need some bodies. Uh, Higgins is the number one guy for me. And it's because of how good he's been historically with Baker Mayfield. And the we're going to talk about this with Andrew Erickson tomorrow, but he had a phenomenal stat. The QBR for a Baker Mayfield when throwing the ball or targeting Rashard Higgins is off the charts. We're going to talk about that with him on tomorrow's show. But i got to say Higgins is definitely that number one priority for me. I love Shepard. I think Shepard is another guy, too. The Giants are going to be behind in a lot of games. He came back. He looked really good in that first game back. If Tate and Ingram are indeed on the block, as many people here in the New York area believe, well, that's good. That means even more targets potentially for Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. So I'd be looking there personally. And uh, Ayuk is an interesting ad too, if he's still somehow available, because Debo's going to be out this week. And that's been very frustrating. Debo's a wonderful talent. And when he's on the field, he makes plays and the guy is exciting. And you go, wow, this guy could be a great fantasy asset. But the dude just continues to have a hard time staying on the field. And that is very unfortunate. Ayuk, however, is going to keep getting those you know, those jet sweeps. He's going to get a couple targets there. And if he gets that one-off touchdown, all of a sudden, he's a really good return. So Higgins, Shepard, those are the major two. Ayuk is a good play this week in particular. And why not Corey Davis? Samuel is a guy I would stay away from. I know some people want to make an argument for him. But look, how well DJ Moore's played and how well Robbie Anderson's played I just don't think there's enough there for Curtis Samuel. It's kind of like the Miko Hartman thing. There's too many mouths. It I just agree. doesn't seem, especially with CMC coming back. It's one thing in the one-off where you get something to work there. It's another thing when you get Christian McCaffrey coming back too. I just think you're going to see that volume basically disappear for Samuel. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's quickly take a look at the uh, tight ends here, as, as some teams may need. And, and look, this this kid Harrison Bryant has got. I don't know what the status is with Hooper for the week, and and so that's that's got to be a question that gets answered before you consider even adding uh, Bryant. But uh, Trey Burton is now back on the radar. They've had a week off, so we'll see if he's more involved. Richard Rogers Theater is closed in New York, Joe. I know teams are <laughs> today, but, but, it, but it's open in Philadelphia, 9% owned. And he would only be a one-week situation because Goddard is due back. Uh, Brian, we mentioned. And then Teddy Bridgewater, I got to tell you, um, I got two quarterbacks in a league. One is named Watson. The other is named Minshew. And the genius that I am have been holding both all season long to play Minshew when, when uh, Watson is out. And, of course, they're both off this week. Good, good job by me there. So I've, I've had Minshew all this time for nothing, I guess. I guess it's like having insurance that you don't need. So I'm picking up Teddy Bridgewater. That's my guy. I'm starting him this week. Yeah, so I'm in on that one. absolutely. Yeah, trade off Minshew to somebody who's got a bye week coming up next trade. week with their quarterback. Trade? Eh, somebody will take him. All right. Uh, well, I would say this. Richard Rodgers... Look, Richard Rodgers is going to be open for business this week no matter what. I don't care who's on the field at tight end because uh, it, as long as it's against the Dallas Cowboys, I'm all ears. After the last two weeks, it is clear 
Actually, even the last three weeks. It does not matter how inept an offense looks or what's going on. No, no, no. The Cowboys are the get-right team. You will just get right against the Cowboys. No matter what it is, no matter how it is, it doesn't matter. And we all know that two tight ends can work in the Eagles' offense anyway because we've seen it with Goddard Nerds before. So even if they do get Goddard back in this game, right, let's say they do. doesn't mean Rodgers can't be useless. And you've got some uh, quarter, uh, you got some tight ends on a bye this week, you know, including Darren Fells, who a lot of people just picked up. He had two good weeks in a row, had a stinker last week. But a lot of people are looking. The Dalton Schultz owners are looking. Who can I stream? And I'll tell you what, Harrison Bryant's another one of these guys. Whether or not Hooper is or is not healthy enough to play, I think Bryant showed you a couple moments there too. And it's starting to get the feeling in Cleveland for me that they are turning over what this roster is a little bit. Starting to feel like we're going to, you know, for whether it's because of injury or whether it's because of personnel, they're starting to look and say, okay, we're winning football games. Who's helping us win football games? And Odell is out. And who steps up? Well, Peoples-Jones steps up. That's another guy we didn't mention on the wide receiver list. But if you're in deeper leagues, you can give a shot to, to him. Maybe you can probably pick him up as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones did look good in that game. I don't know how much target share he gets, but Landry's not 100%. But to me, Craig, it just right. kind of feels like Cleveland is starting to just say, are you performing? Good. You're going to get targets. Are you part of the game plan this week because you were good last week? Yes, you are. Okay, let's keep going with that. Now, I think that that is a, a very important thing to look for a trend, and it seems like Stefanski is willing to give some of these guys opportunities too, which is also good for fantasy shares this time of year. So you're getting some new, fresh names. So we'll see how good Cleveland is this week. It's a pretty good matchup here against Vegas. So I would say this is an opportunity for them at home to have Brian have another good game. And Trey Burton, look, the Indianapolis Colts offense is – unspectacular to say the least but Trey Burton right. at least the last couple of weeks has looked like a thing it's weird because we start off with Jack Doyle then it went to Mo Alley Cox and now we're on Trey Burton the last two weeks so honestly your guess is as good as mine I think it's a desperation dart throw but there's worse ones out there yeah no I I think so and and, and you know what's interesting with Cleveland there is this I, I read this rumbling how you know, because things certainly are changing now. I mean, Mayfield's throwing more passes. It looks like they're dedicated more to to throwing the ball. And, and I and I don't know when this happened, but apparently there's some thought that Mayfield for the last uh, month and a half has been hurt. Whether it was in camp before the season or, or there was something bothering him, which is apparently again, I'm just I'm just throwing this dart here, which is apparently why they went to the running game so much in the first month, month and a half of the season. And now that he's healthy again. You're going to see him start to throw more, and the idea of Hunt and Chubb going back and forth in a week or two is, is no more. And then now it's back to like balanced offense. Look, I'm not saying that that is the case at all. I'm just simply just speculating on something that potentially happened. And if that is the case, then all of the receivers and tight ends on Cleveland are very undervalued. I'm not going to go off one game of Baker Mayfield, but in the two year, two plus years, three years that I've watched Baker Mayfield play. That was the best he's looked. There is there is no doubt in my mind. Bad defense, as yeah, you mentioned sure. yesterday. Bad defense, for sure. But guess what? Who's got a good defense? Cle- Cleveland's going to have six more games against bad defenses, right? Like, they're still yeah. going to have some, some easy matchups. Yeah, and Baker looked bad against the good defense in Pittsburgh a couple weeks before that. And uh, look, he was banged up. Yeah. And he was banged up into that game, too. So in all fairness, look, I'm not I don't think Baker Mayfield is a bust quite yet. A lot of people wanted to put the bust label on him. Already. No, I, I don't think so. Either. But let's see what he does with this run when Chubb is healthy here in this team, because they've got a good record right now. They've got a lot of good talent despite the injury. To Odell. So I want to see what the Browns do the rest of the season now that they have some more expectations. All right, we'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Right up.
betonthegrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Unfortunately, bad news if you own Allen Robinson in fantasy. He's in the concussion protocol for this week. He'll mm-hmm. need to get back on the field, I would guess, by Friday to have a shot to play uh, for the Bears. I'm assuming I got it right by saying the Bears play this week. <laughs> I should probably even check that out. <laughs> they do. They are, uh, they're at home against New Orleans, uh, 4 o'clock Woo! on Easter time. Okay, got that one right. It's okay. Yeah, so if you're an Allen Robinson owner, it's 2020. You know you got to find somebody else, like I do, like everybody hey, else Hey, we does, just gave you all these names. We just, just gave you all the names. Receivers. Come on, we did the work for you. There you go, Aguilar. Pick him up. There it is. All right, time for some fantasy trivia to end the hour. And, Joe, uh, we're going to focus on running backs and red zone carries. That's right. Red zone carries, that's what you're looking for. You want those running backs who have a chance to score those touchdowns. So here's a little fun exercise. Who's gotten the most action this year? Who has the most carries in the red zone of all the running backs? Is it A, Derrick Henry, B, Daryl Henderson, or C, your favorite, Todd Gurley? Hmm. Wow, I think you're trying to bait me here with Gurley. So I'm going to say definitely not C. I'm mm. going to go, and the, and the obvious one would think A, so B is my deduction here. By deducing that is all really good, by the way. For all the kids watching out there who are doing SAT prep, that's how you do it. The process of elimination, it's great. Now, unfortunately, it got to the wrong choice. It is A. Oh. The right decision okay. was A. Uh, that Derek was Henry easy. was that the low-lying crew right there. Yeah. It is, and it's going to bring me to another question about Derrick Henry, which is going into next season, is Derrick Henry the safest fantasy running back investment you could make? If we're talking about October 28th, is he the number one pick overall? I guess that's what you're asking. No, McCaffrey. I, I'm asking, still. is he the safest fantasy investor? McCaffrey. You can argue about McCaffrey. the other. I know one injury for McCaffrey in ten years of football between Stanford and 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 Carolina. I'm I'm still going McCaffrey, and that's fair. And that's Barkley. No, uh, Barkley. No, Barkley. No, Barkley. No. Uh, I would also say uh, Dalvin Cook got hurt again. No, uh, he's, we'll see how he responds no. back. But Derek Henry's the number two pick in fantasy. He's a number two pick, yes. And even in PPR league, so everybody pay attention. Just because it's PPR does not mean that Derrick Henry isn't valuable. Stop that noise. Enough is enough. I mean, PPR, you can't even field running backs in non-PPR. It doesn't make a difference. Hey, whoever's six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. Six for now, Henry's healthy. (laughs) Our two's next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.